0: Welcome in. This is your Wednesday live chat for this week's American Express brought to you by my friends over at Jock Market. We'll talk more about them in just a few minutes, but welcome. Come on in. Hit the like button, grab a seat. Don't don't let me stop you from doing anything that you'd like. This time is yours. The next hour or so is really for you. I see the questions, the comments, the concerns rolling into the chat. I'll get through as many as possible. If you're new, it generally means that I spend way too much time on in like the first half an hour on each question and then I have to go rapid fire through the end. But by that point, I've answered a lot of questions already. So I'll try to do a little bit of a better time with my management, unlike Andy Reid, but sometimes we do okay. All right, let's jump into these. Will Roy, welcome. Also, also, where was the other comment, Will? Where's your first comment? This just says also, like there was another comment here. It shocks me that Sung Jae is two years younger than Willie Z and Scotty Scheffler. That's true. Who are your favorite long shot breakout candidates or candidates of breakout actually younger than CJ? So we're going age relevant here? I don't know if that's actually the case that you want, Will, but let me show you my screen. This is... My website and everything that you see today will be from my website, rickrungood.com. I love it. You'll love it too. You should sign up Giant Golf Database and Tools. Favorite long shot. I like the volatility of Adam Long. I know it's not just because his name is Long that he is a long shot, but he's better now than he was when he won this event a couple of years ago. And he is very volatile, 29 events in a row, where he's either missed the cut or finished inside the top 30. I want that. Otherwise, um... Adam Svensson is really interesting, played well last week, highly regarded in golfing circles. Also, Dylan Wu, great ball striker last week, One on the corn ferry, I think he finished 20th at at, um, at Wylie. I I like the way that game's trending. I mean, he'll start to put it all together. We're going to see him mature in quite an interesting way over the course of the next couple of weeks, and then maybe I'll give you one real long shot. Um... Oh, boy. First of all, my betting card is just loaded with guys over 100 to 1. It's probably my biggest betting card maybe ever because I didn't start it until 41 to 1 or something like that. So keep that in mind. Um, No, I won't give you one more. I'll move on. Now to the one-and-done game. How do we feel new to the one-and-done game? I'm off to a terrible start reading these comments. New to the one-and-done game. How are we feeling about Sung J. M. coming off a of missed cut scares me, but in this format, I personally don't love the guy. Not ecstatic to be saving him. Um, Yeah, I think it's fine. Let's pull up Sung J. here because I want to kind of see what he does after missed cuts. Not that I particularly care, but I think it might be a little bit instructive about his ability to bounce back. So... His last missed cut was, well, I guess Charles Schwab, and then he missed the cut immediately at the Memorial. Then he finished T35, missed the cut at the Masters. His next start, he finished T13. RSM Classic missed cut, finished T14 in Dubai, but that was a couple of weeks later. Missed the cut at the Northern Trust, finished T56. So I got to admit, it's not great after a missed cut when he plays the next week, which I think is kind of the key. Maybe it takes him a little bit to turn it around, but... I'd probably save him. I'd probably save him. I'm too high on Sung Jae to burn him here. Clint says, any interest in Doc Redmond? Maybe with a layoff, he reverts back to his more long-term form. His best finishes have always been at birdie fest. That's true, except for maybe the Wyndham. I wouldn't consider that a birdie fest. But I, I do, and I've said this countless times over the course of the past couple of weeks, I think it's only fair to revert guys back to their baseline after a long layoff. And it's been, I mean, 2021 was not a good year for Doc. He'll tell you that, straight up, he'll tell you that. But if we start reverting him back to his long-term form, what do we get? Well, last 100 rounds, he's better in raw strokes game than he is in weighted strokes game, but he's still a, a losing player to the tour average. What about the last 50? Probably even worse. Yeah, much worse. So really, what are we looking at? The last 200 rounds for Doc? That would be better. i I would have concerns that, 200 is is a is a heck of a a heck of a long-term view. You know, I only have 221 rounds on him. So this is nearly his entire career. So basically what you're saying is the first half of his career really good, the second half subpar. What version are we going to get? What version is the real Doc Redman? I'm hoping it's somewhere in the middle, right? I'm hoping it's someone who gains um a third of a stroke per round to the field. We're going to find out. We're going to find out. Okay, I think I messed up the model on Monday because I got a couple of notes about this. So I ran a custom model on the Monday preview and I was very heavily weighted on just some basic stats and I never flipped the toggle apparently. So I never flipped this to last 24 rounds, which would have really changed things. So I just flipped it. And when I go down and look at the value, yeah, this has got some a little bit of different names in it, right? And I'm still using the same the same parameters from earlier in the week. This is now much more, you know, Davis Riley pops up inside the top 12. Justin Rose pops up. Um if I were to redo the ranks all over again, honestly, I might just do a hundred percent on weighted, on weighted strokes gain total. It's 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 not a is it a cop out? We have three different courses. They're all pure desert golf. There's so many different situations like why why can't I just use weighted, weighted strokes gain total? Russell Henley would be third. Harold Varner, the third, would be seventh. Hayden Buckley would be 10th. This is much more in line with what the results of a normal model for me would look like when I'm using a lot of heavily correlated course metrics. So I don't know. I actually think, Brady, this is the hardest week to do a model. Rick, Brian. Does the wind on Saturday give you any reservation for those who play the stadium course that day? I don't mean the Ram and Cantlay types, but the more risky options, would it be worth um, a pivot? So I guess the argument would be, does the wind stay up? Right. And if the wind is at the stadium course, is it at the other courses? So you're basically going to be playing the easier courses in harder conditions. Some guys like to play easier courses in easier conditions and harder courses in harder conditions. It's really a fool's errand for me to try to determine each and every player. So I, I would three days out, right? Four days out, whatever it is, I, I would not be making decisions based on potential wind. At one course this far out. I think it's I think you're overthinking the overthink. For DraftKings, says Ed, the year-to-year volatility at the MX is your lean to go balanced with better guys using the third day of scoring to lock in placement points on Sunday, or blindly bet on studs and duds to be optimal. I believe it's the latter, Ed. You know, the, the way that I kind of look at this is a few ways. The drum has been beat to death on the fact that this is year over year volatile. Uh, the idea around it being multiple courses, large field, the, the injection of amateurs and longer rounds, it just creates for really weird situations. So, with that, we combine that with the fact that I believe this field to be incredibly top heavy. So, let me show you this. Um, you know, last 100 weighted rounds, or maybe maybe 100's too many, maybe 50. Should we do 50? That's probably better. Um, John Rahm and Patrick Cantlay are by far one and two, right? By far. The next guy in this field is Sung Jay, who is 13th. And basically, Rahm and Cantlay have been two times and three times better than Sungjae has been in the last 50 rounds. That's using the weighted strokes gained. So the way that I look at this is you have a very, very top-heavy field. You have a 1, you have a 2, and everybody else is in a completely different tier. So I would be trying to go Stars and Scrubs. You probably can't get both Rahm and Cantlay, but maybe one of them, maybe you create lineups where every lineup has at least one of these guys. I don't know what you want to do. Check your own risk tolerance, figure it out. But I believe it's incredibly top-heavy, and then the fact that you get the guaranteed third round for the Scrubbies, if they go on and miss the cut, you're only missing out on 18 holes of of fantasy points. So I think it's top-heavy, and I think the gap is massive. I feel like Lucas Glover's flying under the radar. Gained nearly two and a half strokes on approach with not many remotely close to him last week. So I I do not believe Lucas Glover's flying under the radar. Um, in fact, I feel like I've heard his name quite a bit this week. And I've been, I've been really, it's like people asking me questions. So I, I've been asked about Lucas Glover a lot. I think he falls into the um into the Michael Thompson category, right? Which is basically um Great ball striking from last week. Where is he? 7,600? Right here. 7,600. Great ball striking from last week. Uh, Thompson putted a little bit better, but I don't think he's flying under the radar. I have him about 10% ownership. So him and Thompson are basically the projecting to be the highest owned golfers uh, in that little bit of a tier. So I, I do not, um, I do not agree with that sentiment, Herbert. Also, nearly 2.5 strokes gained on approach. That's not true. Unless you're looking at average, right? Because he gained way more than that. I don't think, maybe you're not saying total. Yeah, you have to be saying average, right? Because on average, that would be 2.4 or whatever. Okay, yeah, we're on the same page there. Hey, Rick. Hey, Brady. I enjoy your weekly run good rundown. Thank you. If you're not subscribed to this, what are you doing with your life? I'll pull it up right now. So I email out this little newsletter called the Run Good Rundown, which is like um, just all the weird stuff that I find over the course of the week. And I email it out to everybody. And here's here's this week's right here. I saw Jason Day pop in a few of those stats. In a week like this, would you favor Day more experienced or a newcomer like Taylor more? That's tough because I really do like Taylor more. But the, okay. If there was ever a time to play Jason Day, it's like this three event stretch, isn't it? It's, um it's here it's Torrey Pines and it's Pebble Beach and we are not seeing day play as frequently he told us that he wants to play less so I don't know if he's going to play three in a row it'd be cool but I think this is like this stretch to play him historically he's been great on um he's been great on the courses that are rotational courses it's it's just a good time a good time of year with the volatility maybe gets the putter rolling I I don't I don't necessarily want to compare him to Taylor Moore. It's a completely different situation. But if you're a day believer, this is your three weeks. And then we'll assess later. In terms of GPPs, can you break down who you like more between Putnam and Buckley? Buckley is 26th in birdie or better percentage over 24 rounds, while Putnam is 111th. Putnam has solid course history here. Yeah, um, I almost certainly give the nod to Buckley. Uh, Maybe I am a... You know, too too heavily involved in kind of like the the strokes gained and the weighted strokes gained. But Putnam Putnam's path to me is a bit more narrow to get to to get to success. We're still learning what Hayden Buckley is, but if we do, let's see if we do weighted strokes gained last fifty rounds in this field. Hayden Buckley's eighth might be a small sample size. We're gonna find out, but I think that is worth um worth the buy because if he is that guy if he is that guy that's like the eighth best player at the American Express it's going to be a really good year going to be a really good year name a player that will be actively affected positively and a player affected ne- i mean affected negatively by the pro am format this week the first mind, the first name that comes to mind is Taylor Gooch being negatively impacted because he hated playing with Kevin Nall last week. It's going to be worse than that. Positively impacted, the talkers, right? The guys that like Phil probably loves that stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, that's such a hard question. Every single, I mean, I don't know how they're gonna wake up in the morning and feel strategy using your tools for first round leaders. Okay. So there's a couple way ways to do this. Um, it, it, the most simply most basic way would be to go to the Holy grail, go to strokes game by round, uh, and then adjust your filter to just be first round. So you do get a lot of guys that um, really bounce out to, to uh, quick starts, right? You got to start looking for what else do I have checked here? Oh, 2022. You got to start looking for guys that have a pretty decent sample size. It's no surprise that Rom and Cantlay are at the top of the list. They're the best players. They play well in all rounds. So you have to kind of look for value, right? So first coming to mind, like Justin Rose, um, you know, 257 first rounds, he's gaining nearly a stroke and a half and he is probably much longer odds. I know he is than Rom and Cantlay and Scheffler. Uh, Chad Ramey, Grayson Sig, those guys are are more corn fairy players that are doing it. Christian Bezadenhoek, look at this. I mean, he has only lost strokes twice uh, in the opening round since the Masters. That's pretty impressive. And when he's lost, it's been less than a stroke each time. And he's a hot putter, right? And I know I don't like putters over the course of a thousand rounds, but the course of 18 holes, putters are guys that are ceiling guys. You know, if he can go out and gain three and a half, four strokes with the putter, that's how you get to be the first round leader. So that is generally um, the first step that I would take. Who are the two worst dressers on tour after Patrick Cantlay? Well, Patrick Reed is uh, 1A. Um, Jordan Spieth? I am an Under Armour guy. In fact, I almost wear these shirts exclusively. They are not paying me, but it's good for like holding my mic and all that stuff. But they make Jordan Spieth look like he's 12 years old, which is not necessarily a great look. Adam Scott, I let me be clear. Adam Scott, great looking guy, can pull anything off. The tan on tan look, or the brown on tan look, or the dark brown on light brown, he's always wearing the weirdest color schemes. I don't understand it. Only he can make it look good. Lucas says, I miss your videos geared specifically towards one and done, but is using someone like Michael Thompson being too cute in a 30-man league? Should I use someone like Finau and Cantlay this week? Yeah. So um, that Tuesday video is now lumped into the Tuesday scramble. So we do plenty of of, of one and done conversation over the course of the week. Andy Lackett, and myself, we do uh, bets, all that stuff from Tuesday and more is lumped into the Tuesday scramble. So make sure to check that out. It's live. So if you want to be interactive, Lucas, if you want to come in and say, hey, who should I play in one and done? Is Michael Thompson too cute for a 30 man league? Happy to answer that in real time as I'm doing right now. Um yes, Michael Thompson is much too cute. You you I don't care if he wins this week, you do not need to ever play Michael Thompson in a one and done. You don't. Unless you are like unless there's six events to go and you need to make up like 5 million dollars and you need to find a guy who if he wins, you're the only person on him that's when you use Michael Thompson, not in week two of a 30 man league when you're never going to have to use Michael Thompson. Um, Stewie, thanks for the support. I covered long shots before. I'm sure we'll bring it up again. So I'm just going to skip on this one, but I appreciate the support. Svenson for the win. Can you name three to five golfers that are playing this week who have discussed their displeasure for this event? No, I don't know that off the top of my head. And I doubt that many have openly discussed their displeasure for this event. That's generally frowned upon. Hey, Rick, who are your favorite golfers? $7,000 and below. Okay, we can look at this together. So Jeff, let's see. $7,000 and below on the cheat sheet. So let's see what we have here. Um, Oh, Hoagie almost makes the cut. Svensson would certainly be one. I've said it once. I've said it a million times this week. The golf community, caddies, other players, analysts, Love Svensson from the eye test, played well last week. So he would certainly be one. Dylan Wu, I mentioned, so I'm going to skip through him. Cam Young, I was super excited about last week, was pretty disappointing. Um, Hudson Swafford would be fine. He's won this event before, has made a bunch of cuts recently. He needs to figure out the short game, but otherwise, I think it's fine. Is Sahith? So hold on a second. Is Sahith really playing this event? He's 6,700, and as we speak right now, I can check this. He was leading the Corn Fairy event. The Corn Fairy event this week is ending today. I'm going to try to find this real quick. So is Sahith really going to turn around and play eight days in a row, assuming he makes the cut? Um, Sorry, guys. I just want to see if I can find this real quick, because this is ending today. Let me flip to Corn Ferry Tour, leaderboard. He was in the lead as he made the turn. No. Wow, my bad. People are going to screw me for this. Akshay is in the lead. My bad. I thought it was Sahith. That's my bad. I take back the last uh, 30 seconds of my life. For one and done, I'm sort of warming up to the idea of just playing Rom in one of the weaker field events he's going to play this year. Lots might save him for the Memorial Majors, et cetera. What do you think? Sid, I think you're onto something. I'm actually a pretty big proponent of playing your studs when they are the clear-cut guy in a smaller field and and try to get a uh, larger percentage of the expected value in a in an event with like 1.2 or 1.3 million up top than to play him in an event where the top 50 players are there and he has a much smaller... Uh, expected value in a, in a first place, that's like 2 million. So I, I like the idea. I just don't think this is the spot, Sid. Right. So it's so random here. I, if we can get like, I, I think back, like when DJ played Pebble, which is kind of random as well, but his course history was just too, too good. Um, where he was like three to one to win that something like that. Like, I, I, I like the idea. I'm not sure this is the spot. With an event that has this much volatility, I'm curious what the optimal lineup left on the table has been for GPP. Ooh, do you have any data on past optimal lineups? Well, what you can always do, and I always recommend that that you do this, is if you go to uh, Twitter and you search Rick Rungood Optimal into the Twitter search, you will be presented with something like this, which is basically if you scroll through me tweeting all out the optimal lineups every single week, if I type in American Express, maybe I did this last year. Mm, Maybe I didn't. Maybe not. Um, I can give you a kind of an idea of it. So if you go to the Holy Grail, you can go to fantasy data and you can go to um, last year's American Express. Is it the American Express? Yeah. The American Express remove players just in this field, sort by DraftKings points. And we can kind of piece this together a little bit. So Siwu scored 143 points. He was 8,200. He definitely would have been in the optimal. Um, both Cantley and Finau probably both couldn't have been in the optimal because they were both over 10,000. So Siwoo almost certainly would have been in it. Cam Davis would have been in it. Cantley would have probably been in it. And then it might've been Answer and Michael Thompson. Is that sub? Is that sub 50,000? You guys will have to do the math, but um, I imagine as with most weeks, the optimals leave multiple hundreds, if not thousands of dollars on the table. Are there any comparisons to Siwoo Kim in other sports? Kind of popular, only shows up maybe twice a year, but when he does win, super young. Um, I don't know. Good question. Let me chew on that. And while I do, I want to talk to you about jock market because that's stock market DFS. It is incredibly fun and a different way to kind of take on fantasy sports. So this is where you can actually buy, sell, trade short shares of athletes, not just golfers, although that's obviously my primary focus. So so to give you a little bit of a perspective here, this is the results from last week's Sony Open. Uh, Hideki Matsuyama last week sold for $8.45 a share on Wednesday night. And he paid out the winning share, which is twenty five dollars a share. Russell Henley was seven twenty five. He paid out twenty dollars for second place. I have all the data on my website, so you can go through and you can look up, you know, John Rahm. and even because even though he's had really high IPO prices, he has still returned a profit in five out of seven uh, uh, cash markets on Jock markets. So you can mess around with this data on my website. You can use the code Rick to deposit and get you up to a fifty dollars deposit bonus. Tonight is important. Tonight is the IPO. So at about 9 PM Eastern, the IPO closes. So you can go and bid on shares of golfers right now. And if you're the high bidder, those shares come to you. Uh, Joe Idoni and myself are going to do a, a a power hour tonight at 8.15. So we're going to take you to the final hour. And if you go right now, just go comment right now with your jock market username. We're giving away jock bucks tonight. So I'll, I'll draw out a bunch of names. Uh, if you do it now, you don't have to remember later. My main man, Rick, says, Jay-Z, who I've become close friends, close personal friends with over the years, Jay-Z. Um, Any love, or can we go back to Johnny Vegas? I must admit, Vegas was not necessarily on my radar to start the week. And then, you know, uh, I believe it was seeing Najad on the First Cup podcast said, hey, why don't you check out Johnny Vegas. And this was actually a much better set of results than I would have imagined. You know, I was not surprised by the off the tee play. That's always what he does. I was a little bit surprised by how consistently good he has been on approach, basically gaining in all but two events dating back to the Palmetto Championship. I was actually pretty impressed by some of the gains we've seen in his short game, both around the green and putting. So he's gained multiple strokes putting in four events since the John Deere, basically like four of 10. I... Was pleasantly surprised with what I saw from Johnny Vegas, Jay Z. So I I don't know what that means. Maybe he's right for you. He could be. Would you prefer Wolf and Gooch over Corey Connors this week? I think Connors is just so safe. I think you nailed it. I think they're completely different. Um, You know, I penciled in Gooch as like my guy for this week. And then I started thinking about the slow play stuff. And then I started thinking, should I think about the slow play stuff? Do I care? I'm pretty high on Gooch still. But I think you nailed it that Connors is the safe one. Wolf is the guy that I would not be surprised to finish first or last. Rick, I really like the Amex. Weird name, but I love the courses and it's produced some great finishes recently. Hard to argue with that, Biggie Balls. And you know names, so how could I ever you know, doubt you? What do you think about Tyler Duncan this week, asks Trey. And boy, I'm not sure I think anything about Tyler Duncan this week. Let's go pull up his numbers. Two straight made cuts at this event, says Trey. I see a golfer who's missed two consecutive cuts who doesn't have much upside. Right? What's Tyler Duncan's upside? Well, since he won the RSM Classic, He doesn't have a top 10. By the way, that win at the RSM Classic was in November of 2019. So over two years without a top 10, I really worry about what his upside is. If you care about missed cuts for cheap, maybe that's a play. If you care about any level of upside, I don't think you found it. (laughs) Dylan. Dylan says, is hosting this chat the best use of your time when you should be listening to country national anthems on loop? I don't have time to explain that. If you know, you know. Thanks, Dylan. Appreciate it. Um, Rick, is this your second or third life? I don't know, David. Good question. I don't know. Definitely my second or third. I love Michael Thompson this week. My troll friends don't agree. Can you offer your thoughts on the beard and Mike T? You shouldn't have troll friends. Get rid of your troll friends. And uh, we talked about Michael Thompson. He's a good player. Who are the top five, I think this is top five, top par five scorers in the field trying to find a low 7K or 6K guy? All right, well, we can do this a couple ways. I'll do it on the custom model. Um, I will go here, and I'm just going to put all of my weights on par five scoring. Whoops! not 200 of them. I only have 100 of them. Whoops. I'm very bad at typing right now. Here we go. And we'll sort by value. And oh yeah, no surprise, John Rahm's number one. Can't lay two. All right, so if you're looking for six or $7,000 guys, the first one that pops up is Chris Stroud. He's 6,100. Trey Molinax is 10th. He's 63. Kevin Tway is 65. Chad Ramey, 68. Max McGreevy, 66. Michael Gligick, 62. The first $7,000 guy. Martin Laird and KH Lee, they round out the group. I think that is a very sufficient answer to you, Tim. So I'm going to move on. Hey, Rick, do you know if they've already assigned players to which course and which are they playing first? And if so, what is the strategy to play certain players for round one? Okay, yes, this is already out. Go to the PGA Tour leaderboard. It's right here. I'll pull it up in a second. Let me zoom in. It's all already right here. So you can see everyone's tee time and what course they're starting on. Uh, They are also uh, all going in the same exact rotation, David. So if you have access to the Run Good Rundown, which you should, because it should be in your email inbox, I list the rotation there. So if you start on Stadium, you go Stadium, La Quinta, Nicholas. If you start on La Quinta, you go uh, La Quinta, Nicholas, Stadium. And then obviously, if you start on Nicholas, you go to the Stadium and La Quinta after that. So yes, we do know about it. And um, the strategy in playing those guys, uh, La Quinta, historically, the easiest, but the Nicholas Tournament Course was very, very easy in 2020, and all of them in 2020 were in the bottom six. So, not a bunch of super distinct uh, scoring averages recently. Oh, Taylor says no questions. Just hope you're having a good week. I hope you're having a good week. Thanks, man. Would you put any stock into Nicholas Die Specialist this week? Can you show strokes gained for Nicholas and Die courses? See, Gavin. Gavin's a smart guy. Gavin gets this. Gavin knows that if he asks very specific questions about things that he knows are on the Holy Grail, he does not have to pay for a subscription himself. It's actually super sharp. So um, the I believe the die thing gets overplayed, but players really think about it. And die specifically is someone that in, in so many of his designs requires you to play towards the trouble right which is always very unique to play towards the trouble because if you play away from trouble you're at worse angles and it's it's a thing um so I do think there's something to that and the fact that we have so many die courses you hear about it a lot so what I will do for you Gavin with a just brilliant brilliant question here um is if you go to the Holy Grail and you can actually load up architects so we can do, uh, Nicholas and we can do die. So if you hold control, you can get both of those guys. So I'm just going to select both of them and I will uh, sort by strokes, gain total for just players in this field. Number one is Taylor Pendrith, although he only has four rounds. That was a 13th place finish in Barracuda. Patrick Cantlay pretty much by far the best player. He's a third of a stroke better than John Rahm. He's played more rounds than Rahm. It's an impressive resume on die of Nicholas courses. Rahm and Scheffler are three and four. Like, This is kind of the problem, Gavin, I'm not even showing my screen. I'm such an idiot, sorry. So if you go down here to the filters, uh, what I did is I added architect down here, my bad. So, like, can't lay Rahm, and Scheffler being one through three, does that even tell us anything? They're basically one, two, and three when we go to all courses. Um, Rose is up high on the list as well. Rose continues to be high on the list, so There you go. You can check it out. Gavin, good question. Bernie says, oh, oh, I just lost it, Bernie. Hold on one second. Bernie says, with a super chat, which is not necessary, but always appreciated. More of a prize picks question. uh, What course do you think would play lowest strokes? Nicholas has lowest under par, but par is also more strokes. So dot, 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 dot. Yeah, so um, I'll pull this up. Historically, or at least in 2020, and I tweeted this out earlier in the week, the La Quinta course was the easiest. It was the easiest course on the PGA Tour schedule. It played about 6.19, or I'm sorry, 6.17. Nicholas played 6.23, and the stadium course played 70.3. All were in the bottom, but um, Nicholas or La Quinta is almost certainly going to be the easiest course of the week. Thanks for the super chat. I appreciate it. Too early to use Patrick Cantley in one and done, or should I stick with someone like Answer Power or Gooch? I'm my general strategy is foot on pedal and worry about it later. So you can roll out those guys if you want. A majority of the big names are playing La Quinta on Thursday. That is correct because uh, they want them to get to the stadium of course on Saturday. Can we find value on Friday and Saturday betting the lesser quality players on La Quinta somehow? I mean, honestly, and and it just so happens that this is a Jock Market sponsored show, but like. Jock market's the is perfect for this week. You could, in theory, buy shares of guys who are starting on La Quinta, and if they hopefully go out and get off to a hot start, you then sell them like on Friday before they get to the stadium course and things start to figure itself out. Now, we'll see what the scoring averages are, but this is literally a perfect week for jock market. A lot of questions about the courses, so I'm, I'm, I'm skipping those. I feel like I've answered them already. what do you think about the guy who hits it 400 yards and is 1,000 to one? I think that if it was a long drive contest, he'd be less than 1,000 to one, but it is a golf contest and he is priced accurately. Although I'm very interested in seeing how he does. Adam Svensson ownership question mark. Well, I have him checking in. He's 7,000, right? I have him checking in at about 9.2%. What do you think of Brian Harmon finishing T21 or better in five of the last six editions of this? Short and accurate, pass go, collect 200. Yeah, I mean, he falls into that category of other, like, seasoned vets who've played here a lot, who maybe four or five times a year there's a better spot for him. I wish his recent form was better, but he's you you could do worse than Brian Harmon. Adam Long, Doug Gim, Vince Whaley, which looks better this week? I do like Adam Long. However... This gives me an opportunity to show you the run good rundown because there's a really good nugget in here about Doug Gim and the fact that he is uh, a putting popper. Just go read this. I'll link it in the description. Just go read this. I don't. I don't want to take the time, uh, everybody's valuable time here, to talk about this, but because um, it'll take me like 15 minutes to explain. Just go read it. It's awesome. Quentin Tarantino, welcome. One, huge fan. Two, your question isn't structured correctly. You should be revealing it and then working backwards. Okay, anyway. It says, love the new show with Andy Lack. I appreciate that. Haven't heard much about Munoz, Vegas, or The Glove. Okay, so we've done a little bit on this show about The Glove and about um, Vegas. So let's do do the Munoz thing, right? Old Seb Munoz. Oh, you know what? Hold on. I got to pull him up somewhere else here. Seb Munoz is always an issue for me in my database because he um, has the Enya. So I always have to go through and fix it. Okay, let's do, um, let's get him off of Nicholas courses and die courses. And let's just look at his recent results here. Okay, here we go. The good thing about Munoz, um, and we have, this is, he is very on brand here. A good week for Munoz is going to be really, really good. Good. Look at just his last 20 starts or so. T3 at the Charles Schwab, T4 at the John Deere, fourth at the Olympics, T4 at Zozo, third at the RSM Classic. He is one of the few guys who, you know, is not going to finish inside the top 15 of the money list or something like that, but he is going to potentially have five top fives a year. That is rare. So, what the good news about Munoz is when he putts well, when he doesn't hemorrhage on the greens, He is capable of going really, really low, which is exciting in a situation like this. I don't think he's safe, Quinton. So so roster him accordingly. Lots of questions about the courses. So I've hopefully answered enough of those. Uh, I'm going to try to skip through them. Early tee times as being something to target, Mark, The answer is always, if you look at the data, lower scores in general come from earlier in the day. Players make more putts earlier in the day. Caveat, they're all playing at the same time, right? So this is not a normal week where you would have half the field go out Thursday morning, the other half go out Thursday afternoon. Because they're on three courses, they're all playing at the same time. So I believe all the tee times are within like a, I want to say like a two-hour window, 840 to 1040. Yeah, they are. Wow, sharp. Um, so I don't think it's as, as important this week. Hey, Rick, looking for last three in, so I assume this is a DFS question. Read Bizaydenho, Denny, or answer Norin Buckley. Probably the latter, answer Noren Buckley. This one just says, I love Rick, and it's from Alfredo Sauce. I love you, Alfredo sauce. Thank you. Using Sheamus in my one and done, would you be worried about his lack of course history? Would that be mitigated by three different courses? Does his lack of familiarity make it worse? I think Sheamus is kind of in a a weird spot. W- good weird, right? Because he is um, he is a much better player than he was 12 months ago and then pre- previously. I wonder if I can show you this in his golfer profile page. Um it's really hard to use past history for Sheamus because he's actually just gotten so much better. You know, look at his 2019. He was a bad ball striker, losing three quarters of a stroke to the field. Then 2020, he was basically a tour average player. Then he makes a big leap in 2021. And now already in in a, in a limited number of rounds in 2022, even better than that. So it's really hard to go back and look at what he did in 2020, 19, 18 because he wasn't that good of a player. Same with Max Homa. I have the same issue with Max Homa. Have you or any of your colleagues been invited to appear on the Netflix series for the PGA Tour? I can't, I can't disclose that information. No, I'm just kidding. No, no one has reached out to me, and uh, I'm certain will not reach out to me. However, if you ha- if you know someone at Netflix who is a decision maker, um, I'll do, I'll do it pretty cheap, and I'll give them any quote they want. I'll be like, oh. Bryson said what? Like whatever they want, whatever talking head they want, they, they can have it. Uh, oh, okay. Spencer's asking the real tough questions. I don't know what happened to my first comment, but I just wanted to hear your thoughts on why the Fortinet was not included in the worst tournament names with Andy Lack. You're absolutely right. It is horrendous. It's like number two. If I'm a degenerate, asks Sid, who loves Ricky and Phil, and once a week to just be able to cheer for them alone, is this not the week to bet them? Sid, permission granted, this is the week. Yeah, it is. Uh, I hate to disclose this. I have bet Ricky Fowler this week. Scary stuff, but it is true. The Phil thing I can't get behind, but he's been great here, and he probably loves the pro-am side of it. Like, no rules this week. If that's what you want, there is literally not a better spot on the schedule. Go for it. Shane says, "Do you think it would be feasible to track a strokes gained under pressure? Would be a way to see whose swing or putter holds up in contention. Maybe only include stats if top X on the weekend. Um, yeah, I could do this. It, like, give me an idea. Like, what would under pressure be?" Like they're in, they're within, I like to do like maybe they're within five strokes of the lead on Sunday, something like that. As long as we could set that criteria, yes, I could get it for you. A lot of the same questions, so I'm skipping a lot, but I think that's going to be okay. How does Matthew Wolf fare on Pete Dye designs? Well, if only there was a way to look this up. The good news is that there is. So I'm going to go to the Holy Grail and I'm going to go to Matthew Wolf and I'm going to click on filters and I'm going to say, uh, Peter die. And we're going to see, it ain't pretty 20 rounds four missed cuts. Best finish T28. And that was the match play, which means he didn't advance out of his group. More like wolf. Am I right? Uh, I think I lost my spot. Hold on a second. Oh, uh, no. Okay, I got it. Can we give this man some likes? I agree. Love meter on Gooch this week, Rick. 7.9. But I was like a 9.1. Now I'm like a 7.9. Still pretty good, but I'm nervous about it. I don't understand half of the words in this question, but I want to learn about this. What do you think about the influence of Peter Chan discourse and its relation to Spenserian craft on the logistical operation of the American Express? Do you think it helps Cantlay? George, I'm going to need like a lesson on uh, half of this, all of this, quite frankly, everything besides Cantlay. I'm going to need a lesson on it. Hmm. I'm going to Google that later. I'll find out. Faded Matt Jones last week in matchups worked beautifully. Yeah, we saw that coming, right? Everybody in the world knew that was coming. Okay, Carlos Ortiz has come up quite a bit. Um, I wish I could be more bullish on Carlos Ortiz. I like the guy. I'm I I like his game, but the results are not there. You know, he finished runner up to Victor in Mexico, which you could argue you know it's a home game he's probably very familiar with maya cobra at least the types of golf he's familiar on pass palm, all that stuff that runner up finish and his last top 10 was at phoenix it was like 9 months i just i just wish i saw more consistent results so it's it's really it's really difficult to be bullish on on carlos ortiz I tend to agree with this. Ty Cobb, I think it's time to go with Scotty Scheffler until he wins. A win has to be coming soon. Hard to argue. Do you think Barjan has another playable week? Listen, if they're going to continue to put him at the min, or close to the min, 6,000, if he makes the cut, pretty much in business, right? I'm uh I'm pretty new pretty neutral on on Abe Answer, Kevin. Uh the recent form has not been good. This has been a happy hunting ground form, though, and I'm still am a believer, obviously, in the game, because it's only been a couple of, of bad events. So I'm like a 5.5 out of 10. I've answered a lot of these. So I'm just I'm skipping ahead here. I'm still like 30 minutes behind, but I'm skipping ahead. Hi Rick, hi Fish. Story, creating core cascades because of the volatile nature of playing on three courses. Would you suggest doing two different cores with two com- with completely different golfers or overlapping my favorites? I would not be opposed to you um, like stacking courses. I'm not against that. I I don't foresee it, but a, a lot of times what happens is one of these waves call it one of the rotations is probably going to be better off whether that just means they got a slightly less windy day I mean it could be a lot of different things right but i i would wager 5 dollars that one of the waves is going to be on the better end of it and we'll find out after Saturday's round when everybody has played played one round um i would not be against creating cores or stacking the rotations, six guys that start at La Quinta, six guys that start at the stadium course, six guys that start at the Nicholas course, just because of, so like this happens all the time, right? Where one of the waves, even if we weren't expecting it, had an edge. And when you throw in completely different courses, I think it could be a thing. You still on long this week? Yep. New viewer and love the content. Thank you. Do you cover your survivor choice yet? Keep up the great work. So I've actually um, created a video and uh, linked to a spreadsheet in which I tell you uh, exactly who I'm going to use every single week because I picked it all at the start of the year. So this week is Taylor Gooch. And also uh, that's my, in my, um, I actually have to put my one and done pick in. I'm actually glad you put this, this, this in here. I would have forgotten. Um, if I was going week by week, I, I don't know if I would go with Gooch. I might go with Scheffler, uh, or I might go with oh uh, boy. Wolf. I think I took Wolf on the first cut podcast, one and done. Do you have any bets on the DP World Tour tonight? I do. I put two bets in late. I just, you know, I didn't get a chance to do as much research as I would have liked, but I bet um Victor, obviously, and I bet uh Thomas Peters. Only two bets. I just quickly looked at circa, saw the lines, fired two bets, and uh, will mostly just enjoy it rec- recreationally and root for root for Victor. Thoughts on Tony for one and done? I think you can wait for better spots and better form. There's gonna be there's gonna be a lot of really good spots for Tony Finau moving forward, right? There's gonna be Riviera. There's going to be um, the Memorial. There's gonna be places where long and generally straight. Is gonna is gonna be a better a better bet. If I gave you 100 grand to bet on someone to finish inside the top 40, pick one. Are you betting 100 grand on someone to finish inside the top 40? Are you going to give me 100? We could do this. Let's do this. We'll split it. Um, see, there's kind of a couple different ways I could go. Should I go for life changing money and take a guy that's like 20 to one and? Try to turn this hundred grand into a couple million bucks. Um, I would probably just go. Like, is it so corny to say Rom? Is that the corniest? I mean, he's the safest, isn't he? What is he minus one twenty? No, top forty. He'd be like, he'd be like minus four hundred or something. So maybe we'd make twenty five k on it. Would you rather do a coin flip? It's a weird question. I like it. I don't know. Weird. Az says I just became a member yesterday. Pretty excited. I'm pretty excited. Thanks for the support. Um, jock market tag is Tryman thirty nine. Okay, go post that in the Jock Market chat. That'll that'll get you a chance to win the money. Go. You can the the room's up right now. Go post it. Oh qu- uh, oh, I just my my chat got screwed up. But the question was about birdie or better, or or was about easy courses. So hold on. Let's do this. Um. Wait, I did this already. So go to the Run Good Rundown. You guys got to read this. Go to the Run Good Rundown. There is a section on easy courses right here. The best players on easy courses. Cantlay, Ram, Day, Norin, Sungjae. Read this. Read this. Go read this email. It's free. It's free, people. Rick, are you playing Norin this week? Yes. Um, I do like Norin this week. I answered that. I think I answered that exact question. You don't have to post questions multiple times. I, I get to them. This is a 54 hole cut, Stewie. So three rounds, and then they're going to make a cut. I've answered a lot of these. That's good news. That's good news. We're catching up. I've answered a lot of these. Is FENAL still the lowest owned up top? Uh, I, so I have Finao at 11% and I have Scheffler at 12. I bet you Scheffler comes in higher than that, but really what, um, what seems to be happening is that a lot of lineups are getting either ROM or Cantlay, both of them coming in around 30% ownership. I think it's fair. They're a clear one and two. So if you get one of those two guys, Really hard to get Scheffler or Finau, right? And a lot of people are saying that they don't want to fade those two. So I think Scheffler comes in higher than twelve, but I don't think he's gonna come in super high just because of the can't lay ROM situation that we have going on. Michael Bond, Bond, Michael Bond says, Hey Lick, hey, oh. hey, Rick. I like to play same-day matchups after the cut, reason being that you can always find players that are completely outmatched, may have to pay the juice. What do you think? Indeed, Michael. I have actually created a video entitled uh, The Most Profitable Way to Bet Golf, The Best Way to Bet Golf, Way to Make the Most Money Betting Golf, something like that. And it's literally all about same round-by-round uh, round matchups, so I completely agree with you. If you fade the top, Tom... And run 9K guys, you will be contrarian. Yes, indeed. As mentioned, uh, Rahm and Kentley are seemingly the two highest-owned golfers on the slate, believe it or not. Here's a hard-hitting question from someone that, uh, quite frankly, I'm honored about. Reed Fowler says: This is an important question. How did you get this good looking? Oh, come on. Stop it. Reed, please. Thank you. I need the confidence boost. Uh, good to see you, bud. Thanks for thanks for tuning in. Uh, California kid, Ricky Fowler back in California, California desert. Let's go, fire it up. Who is the Mina run good play of the week? Oh my God! You know what? Listen, I usually just wait for her to slack me. Let's just like let's just make her do it. Hey. Hi. <laughs> I can hear you. Give the okay. people your pick of the week, uh, pick of the week, please.
1: Okay, so this would have been a lot more exciting if Jay Z hadn't already asked you about him. So you oh, already no. covered him, but my pick is Johnny Vegas. Does Johnny he Vegas. Min- yes, he does. He miss cuts sometimes. Does he win tournaments? Almost no. never. <laughs> but <laughs> he has a cool name. It reminds me of like Johnny Drama. Okay. From Entourage. Uh, his approach game is surprisingly good. Like you said, and when his approach game isn't good, sometimes he gets hot with a putter and then he gives us what he gave us at the RSM classic, a T12 finish. So
0: did you practice this? This is surprisingly good. No,
1: I have his golfer profile right here from rickrungood.com. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) so I don't know. I feel like that's a good one.
0: I think lock it in, lock it in. New content
1: creator, Mina good.
0: (laughs) Okay, we'll check out your YouTube channel later. (laughs) Jeez, oh man, there you go. Can't beat that. Love meter on Justin Rose. Okay, so I'm actually quite bullish on Justin Rose. And I think a lot of you, if you've been paying attention for a long time, understand that I'm not particularly a Rose fan, but I think we're seeing a lot better things. So Rose in the summer was super, super, super reliant on the putter. 11 strokes gained the PGA Championship, six at the Charles Schwartz, What we're seeing now, much more well-rounded version of Dustin Rose, gaining across the board more frequently, played well on the European tour when he went over there, played well enough, top 50% at the Hero, which is just an absolutely stacked field. I am uh, certainly coming around on J-Rose this week. Mike VanVeen says, jock market question. You can buy $1,000 worth of players this week. Who are you buying to maximize profit, lowest price got, price guys, mean more profit, upside, et cetera? Yeah, certainly. So I, I would be investing a lot in like the Dylan Wu, Taylor Moore. Um, uh, Hayden Buckley might be a little bit more expensive than those guys, but like that that's the type of golfer I would be investing in. Um, just because I think there's gonna be a lot of runway for them to honestly earn you cash, right? I mean, I, I don't think the sentiment's super high. I think John Rahm and Patrick Cantlay might set records tonight in the IPO. And I, I, I think everybody else is gonna be pretty well-pressed. Answer or Jay, it, it, it depends entirely on the format, but geez, um, how about answer, I guess. It's really, really close as you can imagine. Okay, this is a good one. Good question, Mark. Who do you think is over-owned and who do you think is under-owned? So, (sighs) Scheffler's probably under-owned because he is a uh, casualty of the Rom-Cantley situation. Henley is probably over-owned. I know that he was literally the best in the field last week in regulation, got into a playoff, and it didn't go so well. He's missed four straight cuts here. His best finish is T49. I'm coming in at 23%, which also then kind of says, I think Zalatoris is under, I think Zalatoris is, like Zalatoris is the guy that might win you all the money. Like what if he just finishes second and he's 8% owned? It's certainly Possible. What's the optimal one and done approach? Do you just jam in Rom and lose him this early? Uh, I'm fine with using him early. I'm fine with jamming him in a spot that he's the favorite. I don't necessarily love it here uh, because of the three courses and how volatile it is. But if you go watch my video, setting a one and done strategy for the year. Also, there's another video. I think it's called um, how to win your one and done with data. Something like that. Th- that'll be like your best resource. Yes, the 8,000 range will be the lowest tones. Completely agree. It's just not very good. Ooh, is it too risky? Ooh, I was not expecting this question. I read it the other way the first time. Is it too risky to fade Henley in DK cash? I actually thought it was going to say, is it too risky to play Henley in DK cash? I could be way off base. I really like Russell Henley. He is a great ball striker. This is a horrendous spot for him, right? Coming off of maybe the disappointing playoff loss, going to a place he's never had much success. I, I I'm not a cash game player, but I can't imagine the cash game play is play a guy who's missed four straight cuts here. I don't, I don't think that's I don't think that's the play. Uh, I agree with you, Bernie. I feel like Scheffler will be low owned as Cantlay and Ron will squeeze him. Exactly. Hey, Rick, thanks for everything you do. When you look at a golfer's profile, how do you figure out what their baselines are? Oh, okay. Well, uh, you can do this a couple different ways. So if you look at their profile page, uh, you know, you can look at their year by year, right? You could kind of look at this and say, okay, um, you know, Justin Rose, the last two years, his baseline is probably always somewhere in between this, right? Like maybe it's like four tenths of a stroke per round that he's gaining or something like that. But if you go to the power rankings, you can find baselines on anybody. Uh, And you can find, you know, like we can go to the raw data, Um, you know, baselines for 50 rounds or 100 rounds, whatever their strokes gain total is. If you want to look at like their entire career, put a thousand rounds in, right? Now, obviously guys change over the course of a thousand rounds, but um, you know, a thousand rounds, ROM's at 1.83, more is Ra- at 1.68. You compare that to more frequently. So ROM's better than that. ROM's better in his last 100 than he is to his career baseline. Uh, Rory's worse as you can imagine, right? I mean, there's a lot of different ways to do it. That's kind of the way I would do it. I think you've answered this a while back, but where did you get those sick posters on your wall? Good question. Yes. Uh, If you can see them, and I refreshed them this year. So I've got Kapalua, Mayakoba, Kila, and Augusta. And I had a different version of these uh, in previous years. I also have Chambers Bay over here on the side, but you guys can't see it. So that's uh, minimalistgolfprints.com. The link's in the description. And I believe if you click my link, um, I think it's 10% off when you go to check out. They're great. They have a lot of different courses and they seem to always be coming out with more. I love them. <laughs> Tom says, I'd fade Hovland. He regresses playing in the wind. I... Every single word of that triggered me. Lowest owned player who will finish top 15 or better? Jeez, probably some random guy. He's probably like, Nick Hardy or something like that. A lot of questions on Sheamus. Sheamus is great. Sheamus is so good. Okay, outrights for this week. So um, I might have mentioned this earlier, but this is the weirdest week for me. Uh, I've never built a card like this. Um, And it's not only the nature of the event, but the prices that I got. If you guys go back and watch my video on how to build a, a betting card, you'll understand how I do this. So because I did not start my card until 41 to one, Matthew Wolf, And then I went to Ricky Fowler at like 60 to one. I had a lot of room and a lot of dollars to spend on long shots. So I then bet like eight guys at over a hundred to one, some of them 200, 300, 500 to one. So I was able to construct a massive card. Um, I can try to pull this up here, but off the top of my head, it's Wolf, it's Fowler, it's Adam Long, it's Hudson Swafford, it's Jason Duffner, it's... Um, let me just... I'll just pull it up. Let's just not even mess around anymore. And then I forgot we're over time here, but that's okay. That's okay. All right. Hadley, Dylan Wu, Svenson, Hoagie. Glover, Taylor Moore. I mean, it's basically just long shot, long shot, long shot, long shot, long shot. I've never done it like that. We'll see how it goes. I think that is probably going to be it. Do you own any golf memorabilia? Um, I have two uh, Masters badges from the 96 Masters that are low numbered and they're paired, so they're sequential. That's obviously Tigers first. Um, I used to have some. I have some like autograph stuff. I've given a lot of it away. I've got the shoes that you can see. So these are Sung J M signed shoes, and I've got Benny on back there as well. Um, that's basically it. Grant says this is an important one, so I'll 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 leave this one. I'll leave you on this. I'm in the Slack and new to the model. Do you post your DFS lineup? No, I never post my DFS lineups for a couple of reasons. One. Uh, it's against the terms and conditions of the sites, one. Uh, I think it's bad for the industry. And it doesn't matter what my lineups are, right? You shouldn't be telling me or anyone because I don't know what your risk tolerance is. If I post a lineup and I say, here's my lineup. If that's a cash game versus the $200 single entry versus the $15 flop shot, completely different things right? So people are going to run it out in different spots. It's silly. Uh, My goal is to provide you with as much research and data and analysis for you to make your own decisions. I don't know your bankroll. I don't know your risk tolerance. You make your decisions, which I think is a perfect way to end this because I'm very passionate about it. Um, We're headed to lunch. Thank you for tuning in. Big thanks to producer Mina coming through in the clutch, coming on screen, giving her pick. Who was it? Vegas. Hopefully he goes out and wins. Oh, look at her. She's feeling herself right now um and uh pet your dogs